In John chapter 19, starting at verse 17, it says that they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews came to Pilate. Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. And so they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold, your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Please pray with me. Father, now as we consider your word, Help us 
to put words to the significance of the death of your son. Help us to feel the weight of this most important event in history and continue to compel us toward belief in him. Amen. The word fulfillment means to accomplish something necessary or something promised to be done. As the Savior was crucified, John's gospel focuses a number of the interactions and the specific details of this event around the fact that Jesus fulfilled scripture. I wonder if you caught it. Four times just in these verses, and the scripture was fulfilled. And he said this to fulfill the scripture. And this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled. And again and again. Tonight I want to briefly highlight for you five fulfillments in the next few minutes. Five fulfillments of scripture that take place in the crucifixion of Jesus And as you hear them, don't just take them as some sort of interesting historical fact. But rather, these five fulfillments have benefit to you, and they point, when taken all together, they point to something even more significant that we'll even explain at the end. Fulfillment number one is found in the events just prior to the crucifixion. But it was about the crucifixion. In John 18, 32, Jesus showed that he would die in a specific way on a cross. Jesus was under examination by the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. The Jews could have killed Jesus by stoning him for blasphemy, but instead they wanted him to be hung on a cross for a public display a public spectacle, a public scorning. And they wanted him to be demonstrated as one who was cursed. And in John 18.32, it says that this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus, before his own death, knew and was moving toward that death in a very particular way on the cross. Now that might not seem like that big of a deal to you at first until you actually stop to think about it. Because you don't know when you're going to die and you can't control it. And you certainly can't control how you're going to die. Nobody can. But Jesus did. And he knew it was going to be public and he knew it was going to be agonizing and he willingly took the spiritual curse that was associated with hanging on a cross. He would bear that as he took up the sins of the world upon himself. And thus, the scripture was fulfilled. The second fulfillment is seen in verse 24 of chapter 19. We read it a moment ago, and that is with regard to the dividing of his garments. Hundreds of years earlier, King David was agonizing before the Lord 
with regard to his enemies in Psalm 22. He cried out to God as Jesus cried out to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then in Psalm twenty-two, eighteen, he says, speaking of his opponents, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. The soldiers picked through the five pieces of clothing that a Jew would typically wear. They each chose one of the first four. And when it came to the tunic, the most valuable of the items, they decided to cast lots. This happened while they stood beneath the cross that they nailed him to. Now it's a horrible reality when someone's children comes to them and asks them if they can have their inheritance before you die. Essentially saying that they care more about the stuff than they care about you. But it's absolutely shameful and degrading and humiliating to have the people who are killing you divide up your stuff right in front of you while you struggle for every single breath. You struggle for those breaths and you move toward your death because you're trying to give them so much more than the petty things that they're dividing in front of you. And thus, the scripture was fulfilled. The third fulfillment is found in verse 28 of chapter 19. It says that they gave him sour wine to drink. Jesus was dying. His flesh had been torn open in the scourging that he had received hours earlier. He hadn't slept. He had been hanging on the cross now for nearly three hours and every single breath was a struggle as gravity pushed down upon his body and he did whatever he could to lift up his chest to just capture one more breath. Hundreds of years earlier, King David speaks of his suffering and his enemies and he foreshadows the work of Christ in Psalm 69. It says this, You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity and there was none. And for my comforters, but I found none. And they gave me poison for food. And for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. Jesus is now alone. Shame and despair are his shroud. There was no pity for him to be found. He was truly the man of sorrows. And so it says, after Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And the jar full of sour wine stood there and so they put the sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and they held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was not taken from him 
he gave it up willingly. And thus the scriptures were fulfilled. The fourth fulfillment is seen in verse 36, that none of his bones were broken. It would have violated the Jewish law to leave the body on the cross during the Sabbath. It was considered the high day. And of course, the Jews didn't realize that Jesus had just completely fulfilled the law. So in their way, they were still trying to honor it. And so it was customary for the soldiers to break the legs of prisoners or those who were on the crosses so that they could no longer push up against the nails that were embedded in their feet and thus gain breath. And by breaking their legs, gravity would take over and they would suffocate to death. They broke the legs of the first two and when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. Psalm 34.20 says that the righteous keeps all of his bones. None of them are broken. This was also occurring during the time of the Passover celebration. They were getting the Passover lambs ready. Numbers 9.12 tells that when the Jews eat the Passover, that they were not to break any bones of the lamb. Of course, the Jews didn't realize that they had just slaughtered the perfect Passover lamb. And through faith, if they would just exercise faith, if they would reach out to him in faith, this Passover lamb would allow them to be passed over from the punishment of their sin. And they would be found as God's people forever. And thus, the scriptures were fulfilled. The fifth that John lists in this short account is found in verse 34. It says that they pierced his side. John 19.34 tells how the soldiers, after breaking the legs of the first two, thrust a spear into the side of Jesus and the blood and the water flowed. 500 years earlier, Zechariah 12.10 says, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look on me, on whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. And so friends, we come to Good Friday and we too mourn. We mourn that Jesus had to die. We mourn and we recognize that it was our sin that was there to make him suffer this great price. And as his side was pierced and the blood and the water flowed, thus the scripture was fulfilled. And so why does John tell us this? Why does littered throughout the account of the crucifixion of Jesus, does he say to fulfill the scripture, to fulfill the scripture, to fulfill the scripture, to fulfill the scripture? What does it mean for you? Why is it important? Well, it means many things, but here's three. 
very briefly. It means that God had a plan. He had a plan to enact salvation for you. He had this plan before you were even born, hundreds of years before you were born. Some of us have a hard time fulfilling plans that we have made for next year. Some of us have a hard time enacting plans that we've made for next week. None of us can enact a plan and see it all the way through to fulfillment over the course of our entire life. But God does. He had a plan. And if the prophets spoke hundreds of years before Jesus about the details of this plan, and if those prophecies were fulfilled throughout the life of Jesus, and if a number of them were fulfilled even in the hours of his death, then how much does this speak to the power of God, to the glory of Jesus, and to the love that he has for you? God had a plan to meet our greatest need, the forgiveness of sins. And Psalm 33:11 says that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. God had a plan. A plan of salvation enacted for us on the cross of Jesus. This also means that God keeps his promises as he fulfills this plan. And he does so through Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all of the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And if he promised that a savior would come, and he did, and if he promised that he would die in a specific way, and he did, and if he promised that he would offer to forgive sins, and he did, and if all of those things happen, then you can be sure and certain that God will keep his promise. He will keep his promise to forgive. He will keep his promise to bring you to himself. He will keep his promise for you to have life and to have it abundantly. He will keep his promise of heaven for all eternity. You can be sure that God will keep his promise because Jesus died and the scripture was fulfilled. And finally, we see that in the scripture being fulfilled that God provided a way where there was no other way, that there weren't multiple plans, that there weren't a, a plan A and a plan B, that there weren't different contingencies that were being cared for, that God provided a way and there was no other way. Acts chapter four, verses 11 and 12 says, Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so Jesus said, it is finished. And thus, scripture has been fulfilled.